the issues we face each and every day. I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson, and I am excited today for my guest. I have listened to the Tom Jordan Morning Show for years. was so sad when uh, Tom decided to retire, but I had an opportunity to talk to Sybil Wilkes. She's my guest today. Hello, Sybil. How are you? I'm great. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing just fine. As I was telling you earlier, I am so excited about this. I listened to the show for years. I remember It's Your World when y'all used to do that. <laughs> I remember that when we first, uh, when he first started doing the uh, cruise for HBCU. So I'm so excited for this chance today. And so we'll get right into it. Um, just first wanted to go back to how you got started in radio um, and with the Tom Joyner Morning Show. How did all of that start? Wow. Um, well, I started radio actually started uh, there in Florida. Um, my first radio job was down the road on um, a small station in Fort Myers, Florida. I started at Wink Radio. And um, I did that for, uh, I was at Wink Radio. I was across the river uh, in Cape Coral as well. And then I moved to uh, Charlotte, no, Ocala. I was in Ocala for really for a drink of coffee. I was there for less than a month. And then I got an opportunity to go to Charlotte. And I was in Charlotte and I did uh, overnights and I did uh, news with the morning show. And a hurricane came in and I decided it was time to go home to Chicago. And um, I, I moved back to Chicago and I got a job at a radio station uh, do, full, filling in uh, over the holidays uh, and ultimately got a job doing an overnight radio show. In the overnight radio show, I had 13 listeners. It was on a talk station and it was uh, the AM sister station to WGCI FM, which was the big powerhouse urban station, what they call urban now. And uh, I did a talk show for about maybe about six months or so. And then one morning they called us all in and they fired us. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, wow. They had well, to they, they, you know, it was, it was a Chicago it was a great talk. It was a great radio town. It still is. Um, but they did not know how to sell black talk radio. Um, that was my conclusion. Um, so we weren't making any money and, um, they fired us. And four days later, the general manager called, and asked me how I was doing. And I said, well, considering that you fired me, I'm, I'm good. And he said, well, we're going to uh, figure, you know, something else out. And so they hired me to do um, traffic with a fellow who was at that point was flying back and forth between Dallas and Chicago. And that was Tom Joyner. And Tom was doing his uh, fly jock routine between Dallas in the morning in Chicago in the afternoon. And I did traffic for Tom in the afternoon. And ultimately, uh, I saw Tom once. That was the day that I met him at the uh, radio station. They, uh, they brought me down to, to meet him. And then I worked out of the John Hancock building, which was one of the tallest buildings. And that's where we did traffic in the afternoon. So I did traffic with him. And then I started doing uh, two a days. I was doing traffic in the morning with Doug Banks and traffic with Tom Joyner in the afternoon. And that was a pretty, pretty great gig working with those two um, big radio geniuses. And so um, my mother had gone through breast cancer 
uh, surgery uh, and, and, and all of that several years prior. And unfortunately, uh, as this went on, my mother's breast cancer returned and it returned with a, with a virulence, as I say. And um, in about January of 92, um, my mother unfortunately passed. And I was still working with those two guys. And um, Tom called me a few weeks after my mom passed and asked me, you know, you know, just to check on me and told me that he was working on something that he wanted me to be a part of. And I thought, innocently enough, I thought he was going to do um, like a series of broadcasts uh, for his goodbyes to the city of Chicago because it was had been rumored that he was going to be um, moving on to something else. And so he told me about the syndication deal and nobody was talking about syndication at that time. Very few people. And Howard Stern was probably the closest that we knew of in terms of major market radio and a syndication deal. And sure enough, that's the deal Tom got. And he invited me to, to move to Dallas. And um, I, I moved to, he brought us all to uh, his home in Jamaica uh, that summer in July. And I met people that he was bringing on the show. And one of them was Kevin Woodson, um, who was going to do sports and, and a lot of his characters. I was going to be doing news and uh, the comedians that were going to be working with him. And that's where we found out about the creation of It's Your World and, and, and all of these other um, think ideas that he had, including the music with a live band. It was going to be like, you know, a, a, uh, a tonight show in the morning, that kind of thing. And so sure enough, I moved to Dallas um, and, uh, th at Thanksgiving. And in January, the first January, first Monday in January in 1993, we started the uh, Tom Jordan Morning Show. Uh, and I never, Karen, ever, and I keep, I tell this to everybody, I never thought that 26 years later, I would, you know, be left standing with Tom and would be a part of what has turned out to be radio history. It's funny, that was going to be my next question. If you saw at the time how big a deal this was going to be. Um, and so over those 26 years, what would you say was the biggest lesson that you learned from being a part of that? Know when you are, first of all, the first thing that I, I wish that I had taken more of this advice while I was there. Um, and that was just to be present because there were so many incredible moments that I was there for, but I wasn't necessarily present and, and, and able to stand back and take it all in. Um, but also to just take notes and to learn where you can from those who are, are doing the darn thing. And that was certainly what I was able to do with Tom was to take in what he was teaching a lot of us and to, um, <laughs> and to rely on the, uh, the capabilities of a very good alarm clock. I can imagine <laughs> I was listening to one of your um, podcasts with, with Stephen Hill, which I'll, I'll ask about later, but you were saying mm -hmm. that, um, that three o'clock getting up at 3am. Oh my goodness. That had to be, 
hard to get used to in the beginning. I never got used to it. I'm not a morning person and I never got used to it. And Tom says that he did not either. Um, other people, you know, they will call you on the weekend and say, Oh, you're used to being up at this hour. And I'm like, no, I just never, it was just nothing ever that one should become accustomed to getting up at that ungodly hour. Um, but, uh, that is, uh, that was a part of the job. And, you know, just like my dad was a Chicago fireman and you don't, get used to going out and fight fighting fires um and 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 my point is that he was a chicago fireman my mom was a chicago public school teacher and just seeing them get up and go and do their jobs and that's just what i was supposed to do um and so i did it and and if that meant you know getting up at three o'clock if that meant some nights not being able to stay up and hang out or go to events then so be it but my job was to get up and to go and, and, and inform. So I did what I had to do. I hear you on that one, but I'm not a morning person either. So I don't think the three, <laughs> I don't know if I'd ever get used to it either, but you do what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, that as a, as a, as a, as a mom, as a parent, as a, as a, as a worker, you just do what you have to do. And, yeah. um, and I, you know, I had rent to pay, I had a mortgage to pay. And so, um, and, and it wasn't, and that was the other thing, Karen, is that it's not a job. It mm-hmm. was just, you know, what my parents had, those were jobs. This was, this, as my mom used to say, where else could you get paid for what you used to get in trouble for? Right. And that was just <laughs> running my mouth. And so that's, uh, that's where I was. But, uh, and it was, the, it was the thrill. It was the ride of a lifetime. I bet it was just to be able to listen to it. Um, it sounded like so much fun. So I'll give you credit. It did not sound like you were groggy <laughs> when I would listen to it. So you were able to pull it off because <laughs> I would have been like, what? <laughs> a good cup of coffee will, you know, do wonders. <laughs> and you, you were um, there to do the news, right? And so was that always of interest to you, news and current events? Was that something you cultivated over time? That was, um, um, I got to say that 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 was as a result of growing up in my household and my mother was always a news person and um, just had an interest in in news and and politics, especially uh, so that I that I just came of age knowing that. And in a city like Chicago, there was always something happening. And um, I got to say, when I was a little kid, I knew the names of newscasters, um, news reporters, and, and other journalists, uh, the way other kids knew the names on of characters on TV shows or, or singers in, in the music business. So that was, that was always a part of, of our household was the news. And, and my mom used to go to sleep with a, with a clock radio and um, with a, a news station on and that's something that I just got used to listening to. And that's still a way that helps me go to sleep sometimes is just to have that in my ear. Um, and that's just the way it has been all my life. That's funny. I was I was somewhat like that as well. I, I knew, at least locally and some nationally, newscasters. I watched mm-hmm. the news a lot. I know kids probably thought I was a little weird. But well, and, and, <laughs> and you know what? Admittedly, I, I would... 
I would, you know, take that. I was like, okay, fine. But that's, that's just what I knew. And, um, and then finally, you know, you, you find your, you find your, your group, your people who understand that. Right. And, uh, so that's, and, and radio was just that place, but I didn't intend to go into radio. Um, I just kind of fell into it, but, um, it was, it was just the place where I found a home. And how did you feel when uh, Tom said, hey, I think, you know, 26 years, right? It was about 26 years with the show. Yeah, um, he, he gave us a heads up um, two years before. Oh, okay. And um, they were, we could see as we were going along that uh, the number of affiliates had started to drop and they were, uh, Tom was hoping to sign another contract and they said no. We, this is going to be our last contract with you. And that was two years out. And um, so he gave us a heads up that this is, you know, that this was going to happen. And it was, but you know, like with everything you think, well, wow, two years, that's a long time. And I swear those are the quickest two years ever. Um, as you might imagine, everything yes. just came at, at rapid speed. And so uh, that was, Let's see, we finished that in 19. So it was probably the end of 2017, maybe the beginning of 2018, that we mm -hmm. got the word that it was going to be another two years. And that was it. And when did you decide? Had you already been thinking about uh, what you launched after that? So your what you need to know, was that something you'd already been thinking about? Or was it just, hey, I need to think about the next chapter for me as this winds down? No, I I didn't think of in terms of that because what I really wanted to do was just stay and do a radio show, but radio is a strange business and and as other people have said, it's a dying business, it's a dying breed and and I just I I rebuke that. Um, I I I just love radio so much that I didn't want to hear that. So um, when it came time to decide what I was going to do. I still, my plan was to stay in radio in some way or another. And um, in order to stay <laughs> employed, what we did was we uh, talked with uh, the the man who put Tom's show together and, and took us uh, to the top, and that was David Cantor. And um, we presented him with a couple of different ideas, and he didn't like them. Um, and ultimately, we came to the newsletter idea. And uh, we started working on that probably this time last year was when we started talking about it. And uh, the newsletter began before the plan was it for to begin before the um, started uh, the end of the show, before we came to the end of the Tom Dorner morning show. And that's what we did and what you need to know um, you know, we went through all kinds of different names and, and what have you and, and how it was going to look and and the, the elements. But some of the most important things that we had to have were the things that we learned with Tom. And my executive producer was also my best friend, Yolanda, and she and I started on the show together. She was our publicist and then became our producer for the Tom Jordan Morning Show. And um, she is now working with me on this. And the important things that we learned from Tom were first to super serve the African-American community. And that meant that that's what our news was going to be. Um, news that you could get 
but with a, a, the angle being, what does this mean to black folks? And also uh, the love of HBCUs that was always gonna be to talk about historically black colleges and universities. Uh, I did not go to, I wasn't lucky enough to go to a FAMU or um, my grandfather was president at Lincoln University in Jefferson City. And so my mom went to Lincoln, but I went to, I ended up finishing at Northwestern. But so I had HBCU uh, blood in me, if you will, but not to the extent that Tom did. I came to love and, and understand all of that by working with him. So HBCUs. And the third element was to recognize our history. And we started that with a little known black history fact, which we really kind of fell into. Uh, and then it became an everyday element. And so we decided to, we, we had to continue with that as well. And how do you decide? So it's five major news stories mm -hmm. every day. How mm -hmm. do you decide on what those top five stories? I mean, right now everything is COVID nineteen, COVID nineteen. But yeah, how do you decide on that? What you think those five stories should be? So it's always right now, as we have been doing since um, the beginning of the year before um, uh, the coronavirus came to this country. Before that, that was something our people um, and my executive producer Yolanda said, we gotta you know, do this, we gotta start talking about this. And so we would talk about it, um, you know, and we would do a story about it, but we were really ahead of the curve in terms of uh, making it an everyday element of our newsletter. Um, and now it is a major component of it, obviously, because of the way that it has just swept over this country. And um, so that was that was always going to be um, it's always going to be uh, something that is political because this is the year for it, obviously, uh, and always going to be have something that is uh, of that black folks are talking about or um, that is affecting us. And so combining all of those things, coronavirus is always going to be a political story and then other stories that affect the the African-American community. And that's how we, you know, and some days, you know, we, we have a wealth of stories to choose from and other days we do not. <laughs> other days we're, you know, like, oh geez, what are we gonna do? But it has, uh, it has just turned out to be that um, unfortunately coronavirus has taken on a life of its own on our newsletter because we now do updates for radio stations in the middle of the day regarding the coronavirus as well, because things are changing so much with that. But, but that is it. It is uh, political and it's uh, also the stories that have an impact and are of great import to the African-American community. And just uh, speaking about some of the political stories, I know there's been a lot of talk as it relates to what uh, we think Joe Biden is going to do for a running mate. And so uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it should be, uh, you know, he has committed that it's going to be a woman, um, right. but who are some of the top picks you would uh, think he should be looking at? That's really funny. Um, every day it, it, there, there may be a new name that is, is bandied about. And I was just reading Jonathan Capehart's column in the Washington Post and, and he laid out uh, four black women. Uh, that he, that, you know, as suggestions and then came down to one. Um, 
when he when when Joe Biden first said a woman, I I immediately thought that it should be a black woman. Even after he said he was going to put a black woman on the United States Supreme Court, I just thought that well he should have a black woman. And this was after South Carolina, where black women not only gave him life, they brought him back to life uh, with their vote Absolutely. in the South Carolina yep. primary, right? And so um, I've always uh, been a, a fan of Michelle Obama's, and I always thought that you know we should continue this with Michelle Obama, and so that would be my first choice, although that's not fair to her. Um, because she has given her time, as everyone has pointed out, and um, the others that that are, you know, their names are are being considered. Of course, Stacey uh, Abrams, uh, who ran for governor in Georgia, and Kamala Harris, who uh, is the senator from California, who ran for president. Unfortunately, never even made it to the primaries uh, before she dropped out. And Val Demings, which I think is a really interesting choice and and i i love her um and i and i love the work that she did this past session uh in the impeachment hearings and um i've been a fan of hers even when you know like she was the sheriff and 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 that right down down there in, in central florida so right um i'm i'm really uh looking forward to seeing but i really think karen um, and, and people have said, you know, that I, that I didn't see anybody else and I really am open to, um, the consideration of others, but I really think that Kamala Harris should be the, that should be his pick. Well, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what he decides to do there. I, I feel sometimes like it gets so overshadowed by COVID-19. Yeah. Until, oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's like people aren't maybe thinking about it or talking about it as much as they should be. Um, Are you and just talking be, about it? Yes, we we do talk about it. I think that um, definitely not enough mm-hmm. because um, there is so much, you know, that like down in Florida, for example, they're starting to reopen our state and there's mm-hmm. so much uh, tension around that. Um, oh, you know, yeah. sometimes we feel like our governor here is a bit too much of a, of a, a Trump follower, mm-hmm. um, if you will. And so just not really thinking it through, but because, you know, Trump wants it done, it's the economy, it's the economy, because that was that, you know, that's what he was running on. And so we've spent a lot of time on that. Um, just because it's like, what is happening? And, you know, we're right. going, sure. what in the world's going on. And so I don't think we do it as much as we should. Um, definitely. Um, but really starting to think about it more as the as states are opening up. And so, the talk on COVID is now more, hey, are you going to see spikes because they're opening up again? Um, and so many people who feel like, oh, we made a big deal out of nothing. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm in yeah. Texas, so I get that. You know, we, we have the same kind of uh, a political alignment as you guys have in Florida and um, with the Republican governor and, and our even our lieutenant governor is just such a such a wild card and um, things are opening up here and people are are you know anxious to get outside and to go <laughs> to go to the tattoo parlors and to the bars and stuff like that. But um, while we are doing this, um, my mission this year that I've given myself is not only to vote, but to make people make sure people are registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And so while we're having the conversation about who should be Joe Biden's running mate. Um, 
first of all, we, we have to recognize that we cannot let another 2016 election come and go. And we have to be ready for whatever is, whatever game plan others have for us. Right. Um, so that means if it uh, going and making sure that you are still registered, um, that they have not taken your, your name off the voting rolls. And also that we get all the people that we are quarantined with or that we know um, contacting our friends who have young people who are now home with them, making sure that they are registered while they're home uh, so they can, you know, be ready come November 3rd. And, and the other part will take care of itself, who he decides to. Um, and, and, and I really, oh God, I really hope um, that he does do the right thing in terms of choosing someone that we can all get behind as him as a team, um, yes. because we just cannot afford another four years. It just, you know, without getting too, too drastic and, and too political, which just, we've seen what, what has happened when we didn't, everybody did not show up to vote last time. Absolutely. And just on that note, and then of course we'll get off of politics, but why do you think it is that um, every four years in the last, you know, two or three elections, there's all of this excitement around, you know, like this year there were so many women running for president and so much mm -hmm. excitement around that. Why do you think that at the end of the day, it still seems to always come down to two older white men? Like what, <laughs> what is it that we're not able to get over that hump, you know? You know, that just, that is something that I, uh, I hope that I don't go to my grave, you know, just worrying about too. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I think that even when given the choice of a woman, as people had in 2016, um, there's something about men being able to elect a woman. And, and to a certain extent, there's something about women wanting to put their future in the hands of another woman. And it could be mm -hmm. very a very catty thing. It could be just a very sexist thing. But there's something about not being able to say, you know, is, is, <laughs> I've heard people say, well, a woman runs my household. I don't want her to run my country. Well, you know what? that's the way your household is run can't be a very bad thing. You're up standing and you're able to, you know, to do things and, and you have someone there supporting you and, and doing all the right things as far as women are able to do. So like, how bad can it be? But there's something very sexist and very um, troubling about the fact that we still don't have enough faith and, and have enough of our money uh, to support these women. And that's really what it comes down to as well. Because even though Joe Biden was struggling, and I mean really struggling to the point where they were looking at, you know, how much longer does he have? Still money was coming into him that, and people were moving their money from, from or like I say, Kamala Harris didn't even make it to the primaries. Right. Um, and uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, and, and, and that. So, um, we just cannot get past our own selves 
to to put the support, the money, and the uh, the woman power, if you will, behind a female candidate yet. And and I'm hoping that'll change if we get a female vice president, and especially a black woman, that will change. I, I agree with that. I'm hoping it will too. I, I know people um, who have said to me, it's just, I don't know if I could vote for a woman. I mean, you know, some yeah. people, you know, they voted for Hillary because what else are we going to do? Right. But it was like, oh, I don't, yeah. And I don't quite know what that stems from or what that's about, but it's just something about it that even some women don't see, like you said, don't seem to be able to get behind. That is just fascinating to me. I don't know how we unpack that, but it's like, really? Okay. But, <laughs> but, but here's the other thing, Karen, is that we have to do a better job with those young female leaders that we're raising or that mm-hmm. we have a part in raising and their male counterparts with our young boys and our young girls. We have to do a better job of helping them recognize the, the, the equality that really should be there as, as well in, in their lives um, personally, as well as politically. Absolutely. So hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> he will pick somebody we can all get behind and maybe we'll see a difference uh, yeah, come this election year. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, be, I'm beyond crossing my fingers uh, because I just, we've just got to do something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we just got to, to make this happen and make it work. I know how you feel. <laughs> so on top of doing uh, the five things you need to know, you started, it looks like it was back in March, a podcast with uh, Stephen Hill. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you all decide? I know that you guys, I guess, did one at a couple of the uh, the the cruises and thought yeah, that actually, was a really great conversation. How did that yeah. start? You guys decided, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. Well, it was also part of, you know, I have a, I have a tremendous approval. And, and of women and you know in trying to build the brand and I can't believe I'm even saying those words um, but this was a part of the, the 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 conversation and along with the newsletter uh, being able to to take advantage of all the things that are available to us and the podcast we did last year on the, the last cruise and Stephen Hill and I have been friends. He was our, um, I want to say our original executive producer for the Joiner show. And so we've been friends that long and every year, um, on the cruise, uh, he and Yolanda and, and Yolanda is my best friend and Steve and his best friend, Kevin, um, get together on the cruise and we just, we have these conversations. We and and it and it's not the only time we talk all year, but uh, a lot of the conversations that we have at our at our dinner table on the cruise have resulted in in you know other conversations. And so we decided to take it to that level and do the the podcast last year just to see how it sounded and and, and that kind of thing on the cruise. And so um, when we came about you know trying to decide a podcast and it. That just seemed a, a logical, I guess, uh, extension of, of what we did last year and, and putting the two of us together because we do, we have a, we have a, a great deal in common and yet we're both very different from each other. And, but he makes me laugh like, like the comedians make me laugh on the Joiner show made me laugh. So 
um, that was, uh, and, and that was just the beginning of it. And it came about in the age of the coronavirus. Steve is still quarantined in his home in New York City. And I am quarantined with my best friends in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so a lot of the, our conversation is around the coronavirus, around COVID-19, um, but other elements too, um, such as this being Mental uh, Health Awareness Month and, and how that our mental health is so important during the coronavirus, but as well, uh, you know, also throughout our, our days and, and months and, and throughout the year. So um, we do kind of, you know, venture off of the coronavirus path, but as of right now, it is uh, still heavily uh, concerned with that and focused on that, but uh, we're, we're moving beyond it a little bit, but it's, it's just an interesting time in which so much has come about that uh, we're going to, you know, keep it going, obviously, but uh, it's, it's fun. It's just... Um, everybody's got a podcast. <laughs> so, you know, you just have to kind of find your angle. What's, what's your angle as you have done. Um, and ours is uh, it's evolving, but uh, the, the whole coronavirus thing just fascinates me because of the way that it has changed and will change the way we live, the way we talk, the way we mm -hmm. socialize. And, uh, and, and it'll be interesting how we go beyond this once we are all able to go out and, and, and live our new normal and, and the, and the podcast will reflect that. And it's funny that you, you mentioned that new normal, because when I started the podcast, I have a group of girlfriends similar to what you have done with your friends. And it was just us having these discussions that we were like, you know, this would be really cool for us to share with everybody else what we're going mm -hmm. through as women of color. And we, we met as together and did it. And so having to do it remotely these last few months, I'm just like, Oh my God, right. <laughs> you know, because we were able to be there together. And um, it's also just wonderful and refreshing that you guys also talk about mental health. Obviously that's dear to me because of my daughter, but I can already tell the level of anxiety people have. Even when I go to the grocery store, yeah. if it's too many people, it's like, I got to hurry up and get this chicken or whatever I came in here for and get out of here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, you know, I'm not normally somebody who gets anxious easily, but it's just, you know, some people are like walking up on you. Like I've been in line and I'll move up in the line and then the person behind me moves up and I'm like, can you, can, can you, you give me some space? Please. Me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just interesting how already I can tell the way that it's affecting how we're going to be able to kind of interact with one another going forward. I don't know when people will be ready to gather and go to anybody's concert, workshop, any of that. I, and, 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 you know, we have friends who are performers, obviously, and this is the conversation that with, with comedians, with musicians, um, people who are, are actors on, on stage as well as television, Mm -hmm. What does this look like in six months? And here's the other thing, Karen. Do we know that, are we assured that, first of all, there's going to be a vaccine available in six months or that it's going to work and be ready for whatever the next wave is? And I don't right. want to induce any kind of panic. That's just the concerns that a lot of us have if we're watching the news and, and, and listening to what these doctors are saying. This isn't over, you no. know what I mean? And so, <laughs> no, um, you know, Steve and I talked about what's the first thing you want to do 
my my thing was and and I I said I miss going to the movies because I just like the you know I don't care how big your screen is on your television um I miss that environment mm-hmm. I don't see myself going to the movies anytime soon I don't uh, I love to travel I don't see myself getting on anybody's plane and especially when I'm looking at these people that are you know herded in like cattle and the promises that were made, well, we'll keep that middle seat open, and and that's not happening because yeah. they're the the airlines have to get back to making some money, yeah. Uh, and so all of these things, and and the grocery store, like you say, you know, just following the arrow, people not following the one way arrow, right. yep, uh-huh. <laughs> in the aisles of the of the, it's just there's so much that's just going to be done, and and how soon before. Uh, you know, we get past this, that there will be another one. And will we have the leadership in place to take care of it in a better manner and fashion than it has this time? This time. Yeah, will we be ready? Absolutely. Because this already seems to be mutating, you know, what's happening with children now. Yes. It's related to COVID, but it doesn't, the symptoms aren't the same. It's just really, really scary. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this looks like when I'll be able to actually have my guests in studio yeah, <laughs> I'll be yeah. doing this you know remotely for a while so and I want to oh, go the ahead beauty, that's the beauty of you know zoom and 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 all of those things now um to be able to to see your family and and your friends mm-hmm. and 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 I'm sure you have this as well um young people who are graduating this year and oh yes and, what they're doing um you know mother's day just that having a, a zoom mother's day uh conference call um or you know kids getting their diplomas and 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 having some sort of virtual experience for them um it's just everything every part of our lives is just taken on a, take gone in a new direction and taken on a different meaning and and some for the good and and some not yeah, and it was difficult. It's funny you mentioned that my niece got her um, PharmD. She graduated from wow. with her doctorate of pharmacy from FAMU, oh, and we oh had all of this stuff gosh. planned. And how she, great is that? I know she was devastated, but we we tried it. It does it does make you get creative. So we had two sheriff's officers come out and friends and family people from our church. We have a group we used to do Zumba with. They came and we did a huge parade in her oh. subdivision and some of the neighbors came out uh-huh. because it is a huge accomplishment. And, yes. you know, so much of that is, you know, gone. And it's like, oh, well, we can do one in July or August. It's like, yeah, no, I'm trying to get a job now and move. You yeah. know, it's like, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we did what we could to make it special. But you're right. Every aspect of life has been impacted by what's going on. And without the right leadership, you just don't know. Exactly. Well, congratulations to your niece. That is an incredible accomplishment. Thank you. Good yeah. for her. RMD. So we're very oh, proud of her. Man, go yes. Rattlers. Y'all are doing the darn thing. <laughs> it, it is in the blood. I think of my, my, my father, my niece, me, one of my sisters, my nephew. Oh my goodness. My oh, children. Wow. Yeah, no, couldn't get them to go. But hey, you know. <laughs> Gotta let them well, do their know, thing. <laughs> my cousin, um, he was a graduate of Shaw University. And uh, when his daughters, he has three girls, and when they were getting ready to to talk about colleges and they were looking at, you know, they they lived in Atlanta and they were 
you know, looking at Georgia Tech and, you know, all the others. I was like, I don't know where you're going to go, but my money is going to Shaw University. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, that's great. That is so awesome. That's great, great lineage right there. Yes. So we're excited for her. Thank you so much. So just a little bit now, as we wrap up, I know that we've um, been on, this has been a great conversation, by the way, (laughs) but what, do you think it's going to be this next chapter? I know you mentioned you never thought you'd say the words, you know, to market the brand. And yeah. what do you think the next chapter is for Sybil Wilkes? Um, I still want to keep talking. I still want to to have, you know, the the ability to have conversations like you and I are having um, on on uh, audio format. Um, but I really part of part of what I love to do is just to help other people and to help them find what they want to do in their lives. And so I would like to um, keep moving in terms of encouraging women, especially. And this is something that Yolanda and I have been doing uh, like she's leaving right now to go do. uh, We have a we have a small yoga studio in Fort Worth. And so she's on her way to do a class there. Um, but wellness is is obviously something that we are very, very concerned with and, and know that, uh, and if nothing else, the virus has indicated to us and has shown us how important it is that we address these underlying conditions, these predispositions that African-Americans have to uh, high blood pressure and heart disease and, and um, diabetes, of course. And so uh, not to not to bite off of uh, Oprah, but there's enough to go around for all of us uh, to be a part of this, but to work on our mental and physical wellness and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so um, if we could get the opportunity to take what we do on our wellness corner and take it around the country and encourage that sisterhood, because one of the things, Karen, that I just, it just gives me a headache just thinking about um, our, our media and, and the reality TV headaches mm-hmm. that I get as a result of, of women, and especially like with the, the Real Housewives of You Know the City, oh, yes. um, where they just, they don't- They make us look so bad. They, they <laughs> just don't represent well, exactly. No. No. And so um, we want to really encourage women to um, work together, to love on each other, and to work on themselves to be their best selves and for us mm-hmm. to encourage them and to put them in whatever position they can be to, to make that happen. And so that is, um, that's my, that's my dream. Um, you know, my mom, uh, has been gone for so long as, uh, you know, more, more years than I care to, uh, admit that, uh, you know, my mother has been gone. But the one thing that my mother taught me as she went through breast cancer and, and, uh, and then the rest of her life, uh, the, the years after is that to have good friends, you have to be a good friend. And mm-hmm. I really want to encourage us to, and, and as an only child, I had to understand that very early on 
um, that, you know, just be, I, I didn't have a brother or sister and say, well, you, this is your brother, this is your sister, and you have to, <laughs> you all have to get along. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have that, but I uh, did come to understand the beauty of a really good friendship or friendships. And so I want to encourage that amongst us uh, and, and really understand that we have each other, but we also have to be there for each other and mm-hmm. to lift each other up. And so that's, that's really where I want to go from here. That and to own a professional football team in Hawaii. Um, that is, uh, that's. <laughs> okay. I, w- I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> no, you know what? I, uh, I, uh, Hawaii has always been one of my favorite states. And, um, and, and I have not gotten back there in a very long time. But uh, when, when I did go for a while, I, I understood that they love football and I did love football. I, I've given it up since uh, the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, but um, I do just understand that it would just be ridiculously just a, a life dream um, mm-hmm. to own a football team, but to own one in Hawaii. And I know with the time and the travel constraints, that's not going to happen, but that's still just always in the back of my head that uh, something that I would like to do or, or just have a nice little bar and bookstore and <laughs> a coffee just something in Hawaii. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and to do that, but, uh, but really just to, I just want to leave this place um, and having had done some good and not mm-hmm. the kind of, not as much good, I think as Tom Joyner has done, but I, I, I aspire to that, but to, um, just to really help people feel good and to um, feel better about themselves and to help each other. Thank you so much. I think that is a perfect place to end. I really appreciate you for your time today. Um, You've really given me a lot to think about. I'm definitely going to make sure I do a better job of making sure even if just the two young people in my household vote um, this election year um, and really just, you know, keeping my friend circle going however we have to, since we're not able to be together. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. Please don't, don't let that fall um, by the wayside as a result of this deadly virus. Um, you yeah. know, let's, let's be and show the strength that we have against this. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm excited for you and, and, you know, all that you're doing. And uh, I, I want to stay in touch with you and see how you're doing. That would be, I would really appreciate that. I would be honored. As I said, I have been a fan for many, many years, so I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much again for joining me. That is all the time we have for today. If you want to have my tribe and I talk about anything in particular, as always, you can hit me up at kdt at inmyshoestoday.com again. kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. And until we meet again, be blessed.